have you caught this uh this this sickness that's going around? Have you have you have you gotten a little sick yet? Wait, what are you? What, what fever are you talking about? Oh, right I'm now? talking, about, talking about America fever. America yeah, fever. Yeah, baby, I'm I'm riddled with that. Well, through the through the prism of competitive sports, <laughs> are you feeling that fever? I mean, do you have Olympic <laughs> fever? I guess is what I'm trying to say. <laughs> you know, like it, it's interesting. We we have talked many times about how I don't give a shit about sports, uh, but you would think that the Olympics would be like a good like you know uh, entry point for me. Um, and I enjoy them in the past, you know, when they're on, but I never seek it out. And right. right now where I am, it's never on. So I'm not seeing it. I don't know what's going on. I know it was, uh, uh, someone named Sandra Blyes, Biles, I don't know, did yeah. something. Simone Biles? People, and people are mad. Oh, wow. You're really out of this uh, if you don't know Simone Biles. <laughs> uh, I know some lady from a country that isn't ours tripped and fell and kept running and still won. That's beautiful. And that's it. That's all I know. Yeah, like in theory, I love what the rep, uh, Olympics are supposed to represent. You know, like it's supposed to, well, if we're being real, what is it really supposed to represent is superiority measured in fucking precious metals. So maybe I don't love that. Right. But like, so there's a, pride. there was a story the other day about these people that finished uh, tied for first and they were given the option to like jump it off or to share the medals. And they were like, we're fucking sharing the medals. I don't have to fucking explain the caveat to this yeah. ever again. Like they both get the gold, right? Yeah. Like, why do they need to stamp down the other person? Which is, I think that's very beautiful. That's a very beautiful story. I think that's why we watch the Olympics and stuff like that. But I too have never cared mostly because I, when I think the Olympics, I only think ribbon dancing and figure ice skating. Now let me be, hmm. you know, figure ice skating is kind of metal. Like if you know how much work has to go into it and stuff like that. Yeah, I saw it, Tanya. <laughs> and that's everyone's typical figure skating journey, as you know. Right. You see I, Tanya, you know everything there is to know about the sport. You're on board. <laughs> it's it's fucked up. Anyone who decides to Michelle Kwan, same deal. She went through all the exact same things that I oh, Yeah, I remember like. the Kwan, the Kwanster, yeah. as she was known <laughs> back in the day. Yeah. Um, it's weird because it, that like Kwan would have had a longer shelf life, if nothing else, because unless I and I could be incredibly naive about this. Um that ice skating doesn't seem to be as horrific on the body as say some other contact sports, maybe, you know what I mean? In mm -hmm. terms of training. Cause like we, 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 you and I can go ice skating, you know what I mean? And she's been doing it for a lot longer. I'm just surprised that she's not one of those people. Like there was an athlete this year who's 49 still competing for a gold. And I was mm -hmm. like, holy shit. Like there's gotta be a couple of those sports where like, oh, you can age gracefully into the later years of your life, you know? I don't know. Those loser gymnasts. Yeah, I'm coming for you. They get their nice little pads. You know, they get their little padded railing and get to land on a nice little cushion. Those ice skaters, though, they land on hard ice. That's all they got. That's my <laughs> argument. So so you're advocating we need soft ice, okay? We are not yep. taking back to the fucking we're not putting the we're not lacing up the, the little skates until we have soft ice. Scientists get on it. It'll change the sport probably for the better. That's it. That's the my scientific argument. community releases like a press release. They're like, uh, soft ice is water. <laughs> what are we arguably, doing? you know, just make gymnasts uh compete on concrete? You're right. So you're that that actually evens the playing field. We're not gonna fucking break the laws of physics to, to catch out to ice skaters, but what, what we will do is make other people's jobs way more dangerous for our sick amusement.
Exactly. Because what is the practical application of being a gymnast? It's that you can parkour and flip your way out of any situation. (laughs) And that's normally going to be in a concrete setting. So just saying, right. like, show us what you got for real. The only real world application to any of the shit that Simone Biles knows is if she becomes like a like a runner, like in a mirror's edge world, where like she's a shadow runner. She has to like smuggle information across concrete right. jungles for our benefit. That's what she's been training for her whole life because that day is coming for sure. It's you know, rapidly approaching. Rapidly. Can't wait. Uh, I mean, I'm going to do poorly, but you know, I can't wait. <laughs> well, we were behind the curve, you know, like I think that every Olympian like had that vision, that premonition when they were like two and they're like, fuck, I guess this is what my whole life is. <laughs> like I gotta be a, a, a runner now, but right. like, so I've never really liked the Olympics, but I am watching some of it. And there are some sports that are really interesting to me. Like they do this thing where they simulate a rapid, like, like, a like a, a rapids, like in the river. Mm-hmm. And they have these people who have to row and it's just by themselves. And there are like red uh, little checkpoints and blue checkpoints, blue ones. You can go right through. You just have to go in the center. And you can't hit the bar, but the red one, you have to stop in the middle of a rapid and row upstream to do the exact same thing. And I was riveted by this for some reason. I was just like, cause I only saw the women's version of this. Like maybe the males thing was like way less compelling, but the women's one was just like, holy shit, they're fighting nature. They're going against the tides of rivers and shit. It was amazing. See, this is speaking to the point we were making, which is like, there is, this existed, this, the genesis of this idea was like a practical application back in the way back whens when you had to fight against nature to <laughs> yeah. get down a river, you know, and they're like, let's make it a sport. You know, we got air conditioning now. What else are we going to do? It started off as like a training thing, right? They're like, look, we'll call it a game, but it's OJT. All right. We know one of these days that fucking river is going to come up a blazing and then we will be prepared in this one instance. But I like that right. it caught on everywhere. Like there was like an Italian team. There was a Canadian right. team and shit. And I was like, I don't know. I was like sort of moved by that. I thought that was really interesting. And I just wonder how many more of these like Olympic sports that I've been really shitty about that I mm-hmm. th- that are probably cool. Right after this, not an Olympic sport, but ESPN put up Frisbee golf masters which is like the masters of Frisbee golf, uh, sort of riveting. I just want to know what's the delineation between ribbon dancing being an Olympic sport, but like bowling isn't, you know what I mean? Like, is it not? I thought I mean, it, it might be now, but it was fighting uphill for a long time. Okay. Right. I mean, I feel like the association, it, it would look weird to have on the Olympic stage, like, you know, 20 people in like peak physical human condition, push, pushing the body without steroids to like the maximum potential that it could go. Yeah. And then like some like kind of overweight 50 year old bowlers, you know, they're okay. But okay. So this reminds me of a story that's Olympic related, which is that the hundred meter dash, right. Which is like one of the famous little races, uh, every Olympics, you want to know who the fastest man in the world is. And it was going to be, uh, an American Olympian. Uh, and instead it ended up being, so what this actually reminded me of a, of a story that's Olympic related, which is they were doing the hundred meter dash is like one of the famous little races that they do. You always want to know who the fastest man in the world is sort of deal. And it was mm-hmm. supposed to be this American front runner or like, I, I think a Danish second, it was going to be one of these two. Instead, it was this guy that literally the other runners admitted to not even knowing who he was. It was an Italian guy. Right. And he was an Italian guy. He was actually born in America. His parents divorced when he was three months old. His mom took him to Italy. He doesn't even speak English. Like it's a really beautiful story where he like won. He upset things. The first thing that happened though, is like 
I hope it's a, a story that's not too good to be true. And they like sort of mentioned like the Russian doping scandal recently and stuff like that was that documentary. Was it Icarus that you watched? Mm-hmm. Do you think you told me about? <clears throat> so that's what I'm saying. It's like even these moments of wonder are almost immediately shrouded because we've perverted the intention. And what I keep saying is we need a super Olympics. Like, so me the other day, Where me and Dolores, everybody's on steroids. Yes. The other day, me yeah. and Dolores pitched the MLB X. All right. Major League mm-hmm. Baseball X. The X means nothing. It's just to delineate how cool we are. Okay. But right. in that one, we encourage steroids. We put, we put the pitchers on steroids too. We use fucking neon bats. We don't use lights except everything's yeah. translucent. Like, that's what I want. If we're going to do the Olympics, let's do it right. Like, let's- where everybody's <laughs> just a fucking bodybuilder, pretty much. Yeah, I mean, I, we should do that or let's take it to the next step. Cybernetic enhancements. Like, let's make the Olympics a robot fucking like half robot, have cyber organism competing on the grand stage because then it becomes technological. So you know what right. you're really doing? You're closing the door on like 230 countries immediately, like right off the bat. They're not going to compete with the big boys of science in the world, you know? Right. That just reminds me of that interdimensional cable uh, episode the second one where it's like it's man versus car just a regular man versus a regular car <laughs> he's holding them and just immediately gets ran over okay so maybe not cybernet maybe that's taking it too far but steroids 100 i think like let everyone get juiced up everyone's on the same playing field the problem that it's a, the reason it's a problem now is because you have some people who are being all true blue boy scout about it and they don't have the physical advantage but what if we made it necessary and right. you know people would line up because people don't give a shit. Like the people who would want to do that, they have no problem taking steroids or doing the things that are negatively going to affect them later on. They just want to hit a lot of home runs and shit. Why not us? Yeah, why not us? I don't, I don't see a problem with it, honestly. Like uh, the whole moral panic behind steroids like came out from like, I think one murder case where this kid like who happened to be on steroids like killed his mom or something like that. Um, well, and ever there's since a... Then, it's been... Oh, okay. No, I was just going to say, ever since then, there's been like this uh, huge stigma. I'm not saying it's good for you, but if you want to do it, it's your body. I don't give a shit. Well, I didn't want to. There was another uh, case where a famous wrestler named Chris Benoit killed his his wife, his kid and himself when he was roid raging out. So I think like, but that's another thing. He was a wrestler who'd done it for over 30 years. And I think like if you're going to do a a soft regimen, I'm sure there are worse things in the world than than steroids. I mean, like every action star in hollywood is on some kind of steroid regimen so you know yeah yeah which is uh very disheartening because it's like what chance do we have us regular soy boys who are just trying mm. to like live None. a life we got to cut down on that soy you know oh, God. that's first step second step is to go to mexico see a <laughs> veterinarian and uh get ourselves some sweet <laughs> why is sweet that a trope steroids? in movies let's talk about that that's always a trope where like the uh, the criminals always go find a local veterinarian to do it and i'm just like this is apparently, not the same thing <laughs> well apparently that is like a common way i watched this documentary called bigger stronger faster and they were like how, how do you they were like talking to bodybuilders about this shit and they're like how do you get s- steroids he's like i'll show you taking a trip down to mexico and oh, they yeah. go into a vet's office and they just buy it off the shelf that's pretty cool. What what are the vets doing? No, I mean, I just want to know, are they giving them to like chihuahuas and shit? Are they like buff ass chihuahuas patrolling the streets of Juarez? Like, what are we talking yeah, about? Right what, are you, what are you talking about? They need to defend themselves, Christian. They got to protect their, their tribes. Their this is what I'm saying. Tribes. We need to just take every competition and go to the natural conclusion. So even like the fucking the kennel, the American Kennel Club dog show. 
just mm-hmm. fucking steroid those dogs up, plump right. them up, make them strong. And award for biggest dog goes to <laughs> the Mastiff again because he's also on steroids. Uh... <laughs> but a match that's like I don't know, like what, what evolutionary need are we gonna are we gonna address with this? You know, if we all go all in on the steroid thing, what happens? Well, here, here's my question, not to divert from your question, but sure, you, sure. you brought up evolution and this is like one of the possibilities is gene editing where you can mm-hmm. like in the near future, it's going to be potentially possible to edit your genes to produce more muscle mass or to uh, live longer, or live without heart conditions, the whole Gattaca universe, basically. Yeah. So at that point, I guess it invalidates steroids, but is that going to be like an ethical concern or are we all just going to jump on board and be like, yeah, we're all superhumans? Yeah, well, we've already talked about they, they believe the first person who's going to be immortal is already alive. A person that as long as, you know, like the heart doesn't stop or something like, you know, we're going to be fine. This person can live forever. We'll have the technology to keep people alive forever. That's sort of a good thing, right? Or are you mm. like me, which is that the end of journeys are the things that contextualize everything. So if people are just living forever, which I think yeah. people will get sick of unless we do live in that Elysium world where you can just like go into a pod and you're like, I'm 45 years younger. You're like running around and shit. Right. Well, it's not like we'd be vampires where we could just do illegal shit and whisk away into the night or some shit. Yeah. Like we would still have social security numbers. We'd still have to pay taxes, but for 300 years instead of 80, you know? Right. Right. So it's like not you'd a- be working well into your 400s. Why? It's really why we got to get off the earth, you know, because that's the only way off of it is like Mars has to be the retirement. I know we're, we're touching back on Mars from last week, but like Mars has to be the retirement home that we mm. send people to. I, never mind. That sounds like a bad idea immediately. <laughs> we're just sending old people to Mars. Like you might as well put them on the ice flow. Yeah. Just seriously. send them to the radioactive planet with no uh, oxygen. Just, just go very drifting, very <laughs> slowly. Just like dementia ridden grandpas, just like <laughs> looking out the space window, just like, oh, <laughs> Where, where's the bathroom? Oh, um, I mean, I don't know. That's better. Because you know, I was thinking about this. There's this commercial. That really fucked with me. It was a commercial I saw during the Olympics where there's mm-hmm. this little, they show a little fish being born and then they smash cut to like a plastic factory and the manufacturing of plastics and they show a little fish. He's swimming. He's learning about life. He's swimming. And then they cut back and the little thing's been made into a bag and then they cut back to him and he's swimming with his school and he's just like, I'm just a happy little fish. And then they cut back and the bag's being used at a grocery store. And this kind of cuts back intercuts, 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 intercuts until that bag is now in a, like a landfill. And then it gets swept up by a mighty wind and then it falls into the ocean. And then this fish gets out of his little fish fence and he's exploring the ocean and he's, he sees the bag and it gets really close and he's going to touch it. And then like a hand matches the bag and it's like we can all do our part to keep plastics out of the ocean which is the first time that i had thought about the giant like you know continent of garbage that's just floating around in our oceans and fish have microplastics in them now and shit like that and i got really sad about it we really fucked up with plastics didn't we we, yeah, we just jumped all on board completely without asking any questions we're <laughs> like oh it's great we can throw it anywhere it'll last forever and we didn't think about like wait no it'll last, it'll last forever throwing <laughs> it anywhere yeah i have a problem with that i also have a problem that like in civilization like sid meyer civilization that's a that's an invention that you can you can get and it's a really plastic. useful one too yeah. like if you get plastic early enough in the game you're fucking set for a while mm-hmm. you know what i mean 
Yeah. Uh, so it, it kind of bothers me, but there was a reason I brought up the fish. Cause you said something that just reminded me of that. And just like uh, the idea of just like sending things off oh, into gra- the cosmos. Sending grandpa off in a space shuttle yeah, while he looks bit. at you and waves from the window. Because yeah. it's out of sight, out of mind. We don't think about it. You know what I mean? So we're fine sending people out into the cosmos, never to be seen again. Let me ask you a question. Uh, do you think that... Oh God. <laughs> I see your face. No, this is going to be good. I'm probably not. Uh, do you think that we as individual actors bear responsibility or do you think it's really just like, yo, corporations are the ones and individual people taking shorter showers and, you know, not recycling aren't going to be the, uh, the deciding factor here? Oh, yeah. No, no, we're fucked. This idea of personal responsibility is nice. And that's the kind of thinking that we need to get to. But it, it makes such a little it, it just doesn't matter. The biggest mm-hmm. thing you can contribute to when it comes to global warming or climate change is like just to not have your thermostat on as much like that really is the biggest accomplishment you can do is right. to regulate your own body heat as best that you can. I have a hybrid car and I'm like really proud of that and shit until I stop for a second to think even when I plug this in and I'm charging an electric, it is still not clean fuel. All I'm doing is changing one bad fuel for another one. We need right. to invest in this other technology. And it's really sad like because bicycles. I, re- I love, bi- I mean, but that's the thing, you know me, I would bike everywhere if I could, you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, we need to have cities that believe in having dedicated bike lanes. We need to do all yeah. the things on that level. Well, there, there is one in Michigan, right? I'm sorry. You're like in the middle of firing up. Please continue. No, no, no. It's all good. It's all good. But I'm saying that the last point I wanted to say, which is I know for a fact scientifically that we've made such advancements in solar technology that right now that there is this little satellite that's the size of a pizza box that's going around and orbiting the earth right now. And we've been able to send the energy from that to geolocate down to a specific like uh, house or office or something. I forget what the thing is, but what they are showing is that just this little pizza box guy gets enough energy to power this little office or home or shack or whatever the thing is for 24 hours. So it's like, we are well past the point where we can't figure out like solar panels on our cars and shit. Like it is purely enterprise. It's purely the death rattle of, of dying industry that has really got this fucking grasp on it. And I think once we get past that, like, that's the thing. You see all these things where it's like, okay, if we just make it past 2050 and we're not fucking things up too much, we'll probably be okay because we are moving away from that. Like all of our, all the American automobile industry has made this mandate by 2030 to have electric fleets. And it's like, we're getting there. Uh, We just need to figure out how to like get all the way there instead of being happy with the transitional period, you know? Well, I hear that the earth is going to wobble in the 2030s and it's just going to lead to mass flooding and earthquakes um, just due to the gravitational pull of the moon or something like that. There's going to be like this weird astronomical uh, wobble situation. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then on top of that, I don't think that we're going to make a big enough push to save the planet in time. Um, and it'll just be more about making things as livable as possible in certain areas uh, well into our like 60s and 70s. But like, you know, record high temperatures, uh, for- fires, hurricanes, you know, all that good stuff. So why would you want to be a mortal is my question. What are you going to do? Would you like to be a mortal if you like, yeah, but if you were like on the battlefields with Washington at the birth of this nation, would you want to... Probably not, right? You just would have like, especially you probably were a racist at the time, and all you saw right. for the next hundred, like two hundred years, was people you don't like getting rights. <laughs> mm. I thought you were gonna say like for the next hundred years, like people you know uh, that you do like winning and continuing to win, yeah. and then occasionally you give them a freebie. 
you know the others no i mean i guess you're right but even though like it's still begrudgingly you know like fucking we gave these engines reservations <laughs> it doesn't matter that we took it back a bunch we're letting yeah. black people vote we're letting women's vote i i think if you were like an immortal a mortal human being in the time of george washington this is agonizing specifically this last hundred years <laughs> well do you think that that racism and you know everybody's different every immortal is different but do you think that that racism would endure or do you think that just living that long and encountering that many different people unless you literally stayed in a bubble your entire right. hundreds of your life <laughs> like do you think you would maybe evolve at a certain point yeah i don't know because that's what i was thinking is like think about the tragedy being cursed with an immortal life but mm -hmm. never leaving like your hometown or something and your hometown right. is in the land of the bubbas as we so affectionately call it like you right. wouldn't see anyone else you wouldn't have a difference of worldview you'd just be stuck in this very static like station in life and thought so yeah i don't know i mean the the whole idea again i just want to say like fucking kill me like when the time comes I, the end needs to be a thing that happens yeah i mean i'm 31 i already feel like i've lived uh, a good amount of life you know yeah. and i'm exhausted already so i can't imagine going 300 more years that is way too much man yeah. i mean i would watch a lot of movies is the one you probably watch every movie like with that yeah. much time because at some point look the film industry is gonna crash right so we'll just have like all the all the things yeah it's nothing but catch-up time i can't wait for hollywood to just slip into the ocean so that i can finally catch up on all these movies i do feel like that was my fuck up oh, during wait, the pandemic you're, you're, you're in that area i don't want that to happen i'm sorry no well i'll be fine i can swim uh <laughs> No, like the uh, that's that's what I do think is the most fucked up thing is like we did we did just have a year where shit largely didn't come out. Like if there was ever a time to go back and catch up on everything, it was the time. I know you did. You took pretty good advantage of it. I did mm -hmm. not. I watched a lot of new things, but I definitely wasn't doing like a movie a day or even a movie a week at times, you know? Right. Yeah. I mean, I, I've fallen off that wagon. You know, I'm not really watching that much. I watched Freaky. Last oh, night. the Vince Vaughn movie. Is Vince Vaughn coming back? <laughs> the Vonnezants? <laughs> maybe. I don't know. The Rena Vaughn. He was, he was maybe the only good thing in it, but it happened. It was there. Yeah. Do you, do you think that's one of our greatest stories ever told? The Freaky Friday. We've gotten a Jamie Lee Curtis, the Lindsay Lohan version. We now have this. Yeah, version. we got face off. You know, like yeah. there's a reason we keep going back to that well. And By the way, I just want to say, so I work with a bunch of people and they're a little bit younger than me. And most of the time, this is not a problem. But every now and then we hit these moments where there are cultural Culturally. references and face off happened yesterday. We started talking about face off, which I'm like, you don't understand what this movie is. And they're like looking it up and they're like, but it's got a 92 percent. And I'm like, yeah. Critics don't mean shit in the 90s, okay? We were all fucked up. We, it was the Clinton years. Like, we weren't paying attention to stuff. And I just started describing this movie. And then a random customer just came up to me, like, who was listening from across the way and did the, like, I just had a flashback to this. And he did, like, the little hand waterfall thing. Mm -hmm. And it broke my brain. Yeah. Uh, so, yes, there's a reason we keep returning to this, uh, to this concept, you know? Right. It's like, what if you took two opposite people and made them walk a mile in the other person's shoes? Well, that's where Face Off at least creatively takes the twist on it because there's no empathy really gained. And at the end, one of them still has to die. Right. Neither of them changes at all. Yeah. The, it's the sort of like, why use that premise? Yeah. Right. Exactly. Like, why even co-opt that premise if you weren't going to even <laughs> try to go through on it? Well, what is weird is like Nicolas Cage wearing John Travolta's face is somehow a better husband 
you know, as this psychopath terrorist than fucking John Travolta is as regular John. He's Travolta. more attentive to her needs. He actually gives a shit about his daughter who is like, yeah. you know, unwanted advances. Like, yeah. Heart to hearts with her. And like, he like rubs his wife's feet and like tell, asks her about her day and lights some candles. They have a candlelit dinner. Like, come on. Nick Cage knows how to be a married man. What if the that third movie? act of that movie, because when the wife finds out, she has like this weird decision to make, you know what I'm talking about? But mm-hmm. but but like, what if that's just like, look, I'm sorry. I, I know what you're saying is the truth and right. I just don't care. He's better. He listens to me. He makes me feel seen. Right. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't, I don't, I feel like that would have been a more interesting movie if they ended it that way, where she's just like, she just ends up choosing the better husband. So they're going to remake Face Off. I think they have like Adam Wingard doing it. And all I want is for them to just bring them back. Like bring them like, not this again. And it's just Travolta and Cage doing it again. Right. But like Pig Era Cage and whatever John Travolta is doing era Travolta. Yeah. What is he doing? I feel like I don't understand what he's doing lately. He's bald now. He's like accepting the bald thing. I don't know what he's doing. I saw him on the cover of like National Enquirer and it said he spoke out against the Church of Scientology, but that's the National Enquirer. So I don't know. Yeah. Or maybe it was Star Magazine or someone. You know, National Enquirer rags. got that John Edwards uh, cheating on his wife story, right? They got yeah. one thing right. And they have been writing on that credibility for for years. And by the way, I don't know the history of it. I don't know if they actually did the hard work, like the journalism to be right, or if they just printed something salacious that happened to be true. I think that I read that National Enquirer just gets tips and they just run with it. Like they don't fact check it. And sometimes they get an actual good tip. And I think the John Edwards thing was just an actual good tip. And they were like, hey, hey we're journalists. Don't worry yeah, about but who it. Who gave that tip? Who was just like, you know, who's really going to bust this story wide open? It's going to be the Enquirer. <laughs> not even right. the National. It's a one word paper now. Maybe but not go to like the Times or the Post. <laughs> yeah, like maybe they're like, you know, I don't go to Fox News, NBC, CNN. I go to the one source I can trust, the National Enquirer. Followed by a close second of the Reader's Digest. I mean, if it's in the Reader's right. Digest, you know that shit's the gospel. Just really anything that's within arm's reach at the checkout at the supermarket is what that But that used trusted. to be a big deal, right? I remember being at the checkout line with my parents and stuff and looking at the magazines. They're right there, very strategically placed. I want to give all the admin the credit that I'm sure that was an admin idea. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then you would see Reader's Digest, and it was already little. It was four kids, I, it felt like. You know, yeah. you would go to the back, they would have the puzzles and like the yeah, anagrams. Puzzles and, and crosswords like and stuff. And I would always be like, Mom, Dad, get me this. And they're like, No, you're going to waste 99% <laughs> of this book. Can get you puzzles at home. What kid. was the rest of Reader's Digest? Like, that's a really good question. I actually have no clue. Well, occasionally, I remember I read a Harry Potter, they did a JK Rowling. They would always have an interview with one person. So that would be right. some of it. I remember Mel Gibson had an interview too, which was insane. Yeah. I think there's like articles and, you know, current events and stuff, but it's not like hard news or anything. Is Reader's Digest like still like the most circulated uh, grocery store? Like It's basically a zine, right? It's just it, like... it might be. But again, like I look at, you know, Generation Z and our generation. It's like, are we the ones buying it? I don't think so. Yeah. I don't know anybody my age that buys it or younger. So it's like, what happens to Reader's Digest? At what point do they have to pivot? And to what do they pivot? Or do they just like continue persisting somehow? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. That's it's like fucking... good and plenty. like, who's buying this? 
Well, you can, you have to buy that on a specific website of nostalgic candy. You can't even get <laughs> good and plenty's like in regular stores anymore, which I find right. very interesting. But and I, I think somebody's making them. There's well, what I'm saying, yeah, well, or, or they fucking stored it like years ago and it's like oh, okay. all toxic and, you know, like, it's going to give or, you arthritis or, when you eat it. <laughs> or or they get an order and they're like, guys, fire up the machine. And they just <laughs> like pull like an old timey lever and it's just like just chugs to life. that. It's like reminiscent in a Victorian fucking London, just like the industrial revolution. takes up an entire building and it just spits out one little pill sized candy at a time. Just... So you go into the red every time we make one of these goddamn things, but it is such an impressive process, you know? Harold, we are <laughs> so, so in debt. I don't know how we survived this long. Yeah, don't worry about it. Lisa in Connecticut is going to carry us this month. I tell you. Are, are there any old candies that you miss? That they, no. they don't make anymore. I have one, but I think they just changed the name of it. I think it's still I was a very mainstream form. candy person. Were you up, for sure? I just liked Reese's Pieces and Three Musketeers bars and Hershey's chocolate, and that was it. Yeah, that's pretty mainstream. I liked sour things. So, like, I still like sweet tarts, but they're not sour mm. necessarily. There was a thing called shock tarts. This was by Wonka. I don't even remember this. And they were super sour. They're like the most sour thing in the world. Eventually, mm. they just rebranded that as sweet tart sour. Were they more sour than Warheads? Uh, they were on par with it. Warheads were more, that was a different kind of sour. That was like get, gets under your tongue, taste buds kind of sour sort of thing. Yeah, I remember it like I put it in the side of my cheek once and it literally like ate away a at hole. the skin yeah. in my cheek. And I was yeah. like, yeah, this is great. Give me one more, please. That's the problem. So I'll do that a lot. I'll have like some sour candy and I'll like put it on the tip of my tongue. And it's like a fuck. Like I, it's basically I took a double A AA battery. I'm just like, ah, you know, it's the yeah. same thing. There's like a dead spot where my taste buds yeah, used to be. It's just coated in industrial grade uh, sour chemicals. <laughs> and they're like, yeah, it's fine to give children. Put it in the ice cream truck. It almost feels America. like you're just you're putting like weed killer on the tip of your tongue. You know what I mean? And and, and that's not Am I good. The only one says <laughs> no. ice cream trucks. All right, let's talk about this. Look, so we were we recorded last week's episode, and and we went into it with the intent to talk about this thing. I was like, Max, I need you to hear this song because it's the most yeah. incredible thing I've ever heard. Mm-hmm. Or were you were you done? I just, I mean, that's full stop. You started singing this song. So we ended up not talking about it. We ended up talking about, I don't know. Many uh, other things. Yeah, yeah. Legally Blonde 2 has Jackie Kennedy's assassination pantsuit or something. That's weird. I think that's where we started, yeah. Uh, Um, Yeah, no, uh, it's what, Aaron uh, Johnson? Aaron Aaron Lewis, formerly of the prog rock and your worst fucking memory of the early 2000s, Stained. It's right, been a which while. I, have a per- I have a personal connection to this, which I told you, which is that the single year where I tried to learn guitar and failed miserably because I didn't <laughs> practice, um, my guitar teacher was like a 35 or so year old man who only wanted to teach me stained songs, yeah. me, a 10 year old. And so I just grew up like thinking like, oh, are they like a musician's musician type deal? Or yeah, they Tom Waits here. <laughs> yeah. Like what's going on? And uh, I never got an answer to that, but. Still no, think no, days. they're not good. Failure. Yeah, they no, were bad I, I even back then. Now <laughs> I realized that a uh, day or so ago when you showed me this wonderful song. 
Yeah, no, they were bad then, but it was a different kind of bad. Like it was angsty and there was a lot of cigarette smoking and it was the early 2000s. Singing about dads, apparently. Yeah, but like, again, like uh, the towers came down. So everything was allowed to be moody for those first couple years afterwards. You know what I mean? Like, think about that. Like, even like the Nolan verse we were talking about earlier feels like a post 9-11 movie in a way that a lot of these other things don't. So I'm not going to fault him so much for the early prog rock other than it being awful to listen to. But there's a pipeline that you get a second act if you're in new metal and what that is is to go right down to country music and this guy has made a country song yeah and he uh he made this song uh called am i the only one Mm -hmm. um that is just about you know being being an american and being pissed off at how things are going like and you're like wondering like the whole time like what's he pissed off about like what what is he the only one who's thinking about like what is he thinking about and the the answer to that question is he's mad about Bruce Springsteen uh, statues coming down in a town near you and uh, how I guess his kids are trying to undo the things that Trump did right. um, which by the way like good for the kids in the same way that aaron lewis as a young man was shitting on his father for being a racist fucking tool it's good to know that the kids are doing the same yeah i mean matt damon's daughter coming coming through have you heard about this oh my god yeah this this fucking blew my mind and where i'm like why did he offer this information what was he thinking he was going to accomplish I would have kept that shit to myself for those who don't know. Apparently he just learned a few months ago that the F slur uh, for gay people is wrong because his daughter had to like tell him she like wrote a treatise on why it's bad. (laughs) And he's like, I didn't know. Oh man, I feel so dumb now. I grew up saying that word didn't mean for gay people though. And it's like, the dude is like kind of pompously uh, positioned himself as this like bastion of like leftist, you know, politics or whatever and he never came across the idea that maybe like that's not a good word to be throwing around yeah i actually think he's doing the opposite i think he's done a lot of work recently to shift hardcore to the middle like he's he still thinks he's a lib a little bit but i think yeah. like that's well, what he's, he's more been a lib than a leftist for sure he's not a yeah. you know a, a socialist bernie bro or anything i don't i just again i don't like he works in Hollywood. We fired that guy off Grey's Anatomy for saying that word. Like there's been a lot of times where the word has been incendiary and has led to people losing their jobs and consequences. Yeah, I'm sure he's met countless gay people at this point just being in the industry, you know? Right. Maybe they thought it was reclaimed. Like they get to take it back and throw it around. You know what I mean? Like, and, and by the way, that hasn't happened, but that would be hysterical for me if that happened, because it feels like that's the sharpest arrow and the mm-hmm. anti-gay quiver is that it's such a shitty fucking word. You know what I mean? So they yeah. get to say it and it always hurts the same way. But the gays, we got to be Sherman tanks. OK, and those arrows need to plank off the, <laughs> the iron exterior of your greatness. Nailed it. Right. <laughs> That was pure poetry for Thank talking you. about fucking Matt goddamn Damon, <laughs> Matt the Martian Damon, um, who, by the way, I read more about his daughter and apparently like just multiple headlines came up on Twitter recently where it's just like apparently throughout the years, she just does nothing but troll her dad and shit on his dreams. <laughs> and it's great. She told him his last movie was too boring to even sit through and that she fell asleep. She says she doesn't want to watch any of his other movies because they'll be boring as fuck. And she doesn't care. 
like her dad is constantly trying to connect with her and she's just like no dad your fucking career is garbage that's a really adorable so sean penn has a new movie coming out all right i saw a preview for it when i went to go see uh the green knight which was mm. metal by the way I don't know, we right. talked about it but it's so good watch it everyone um but it's a, it's a movie where it's like it's starring Sean Penn's daughter. It's her first film. And it's all about like a father, like the framing device is this lady as an older woman is seeing that there is a police chase and it's her father who turns out to be the biggest counterfeiter in American history or something. And that's Sean Penn. So then they're doing all these timeline things where it's like him being there. He's like, when he was there, he always made me feel comfortable, but then he was gone and all this shit. And I'm just saying like, that's like the kind of thing Matt David wanted to do. Like, that's clearly the project. He's like, I want to communicate. Do you remember that really? It it wasn't a good movie. Fuck off dad. Goddamn homophobe. (laughs) Do you remember that movie? I think it was called The Great Buck Howard. It was uh it's I not that like title. Remember, I the, remember the title? The movie. Yeah. It was it had Malkovich in it as like a magician or something, and then it had Colin Hanks as his handler. And then I guess to sell the movie, Tom Hanks shows up for a three-minute scene. And all right. I remember in the trailer is that there's a part where Tom Hanks is like, I'd like to talk to my son in that Tom Hanks way that he does. And I was like, holy shit, man, they made this whole movie because Tom Hanks just can't talk to Colin. Like he wants to communicate, but they have to make a movie about it. They can't just look at each other. (laughs) I think we all know for a fact that Colin is the good son out of the Hanks children. For Well, yeah. What Chet? Yeah. Yeah. Chet Chet literally made a song called white boy summer. Unironically. Do you think that Tom, like, and no, this is all Rita, because Rita is all the other kids. Colin's from a previous marriage, right? And oh. so it's like, <clears throat> do you think that uh, that Tom is so proud of Colin? Because Colin li- literally is like an upstanding dude who just seems game. He shows up in interesting projects, makes right. really interesting documentaries and stuff. Such like a, a good reflection. Yeah. yeah. Such a good reflection of his father. And then you yeah. have Chet Hanks, who I think literally, who, remember who's the guy... Phineas Gage, is that his name? The guy who got the pipe through his eye, who like was never the same. I I was just like shocked that you were bringing that up. (laughs) That's what I think happened to Chet Hanks. I don't want to be mean. It's the Chet Hanks to Phineas Gage pipeline. Yeah, something happened there. (laughs) Like that dude is not okay. Yeah. History repeats itself and it repeated (laughs) itself in Chet Hanks, apparently. The problem is Phineas Gage had to take a fucking metal rod to the brain for that to happen. Chet Hanks was just born like that. I he think. was just born into a privilege that his brain could not <laughs> accept. My God. Oh. Poor Tom. Poor Rita. Like, cause that's, yeah. it's really a reflection on her, you know, like and Tom has to think that's probably going to be the biggest problem in their marriage is just like, I think about this all the time. Cause he has, he seems like he projects this image of being like a really good dad. You know, he has like a very dad like energy to him in like not an annoying way. So I really do wonder like behind the scenes, is he just like an abusive monster to Chet? Is he just like, all right, everybody, they close the door. He's like, listen, you little shit. Yeah. Got to straighten up. Get those tattoos removed off your face, you fuck. I really want it. I mean, we talked about this the other day. It's like he needs a training day. He I really want it. I really want it. I, you want Tom <laughs> Hanks to be abusive? Well, to chat, not to Colin, Rita. <laughs> Having one of my um, I'm freaked out at words moments, Max. I might need you to walk me through this. Is this like letter W levels? Of it's, freak out? it's approaching it. Remember when I got mad about thermometer because I'm like, it's a thermometer, which makes way more sense than yeah. the thermometer. Oh, right. 
Does yeah. that make sense? So, like it's a thermo thermo. We know as a, as a uh, part of the language of heat and dynamics, like, and then mm -hmm. a meter is how we measure that thermometer. That makes sense to me. Thermometer. What the fuck? So, so, so you're having a, a like a problem with how we pronounce it. How we well, throw those two root for the other one. Into. Yeah. Because, well, let me, I told you that to tell you this, which is pedometer, which if you mm -hmm. spell out pedometer is pedometer. There's and, a reason we don't say that. <laughs> well, that's what I was wondering. That was legitimately my thing because I'm like, we say pedestrian, we say pedicure. It's meant to right. say foot traveler, right? And so I get like, are, but, are you picturing no. like, I don't know, I'm picturing like a wild haired scientist who's been working for a decade on the pedometer and he's, he like comes out of the basement after 10 years and he's like, friends, I've got it, the pedometer. And they're like, oh. Oh, no, we got it. You didn't workshop that with oh, anyone. Did, what does it do again? It measures pet pedophilia. Oh, just steps. Okay. Uh, all right. We'll just take that from you. We're going to uh, take that to our marketing people. Okay, buddy. And just go back down to the basement. And they just said, we're going to change the way we use letters and words. And, right. and we, make we, it like they're like, we got to rethink everything. Cause as we all know, English has very strict rules that, <laughs> I'm just saying like, all right, thermometer, that one 100% makes sense. But then, so I, I was talking to Dolores about this and I'm like, why the fuck do we, why is it kids? Why, why do we say pedophile when it's kids? And she's like pediatric. And I'm like, oh, okay. That's genius. But then wait, why is there a PED overlap here in general? Like we really mm -hmm. fucked well, this up. I, I think in Britain, don't they say pedophile? They like, do I, because they yeah. are proper English and we are gutter people. That's why. Right. I'd, and the only reason I actually know that is because of that show, The IT Crowd, where uh, What's-Her-Face is dating a man named Peter File. <laughs> oh, God, the British He sometimes. has to break up with him. Yeah. <laughs> the elegance of and how long of a walk that must have been in the writer's room really made me appreciate His name that. Is Peter File. Oh, Jen. It's like, oh, God. That show yeah. literally just would pick one joke for an entire episode and somehow make it work. And repeat uh, it. Yeah. Yeah. I don't want to give Graham Linehan too much credit because he's kind of a fucking bigot, but yeah. But have you seen Father Ted? Because Father Ted's pretty dope. I never have, but I've seen Black Books and IT Crowd and I love them yeah. both. So he used to be cool. Yeah. What happens to that, on that person? Yeah. Well, he got on that whole anti trans thing with J.K. Rowling. With okay. Can I tell you what I'm actually really. Shit impressed ab about by that mm. was that he went on that one website so this guy is a former television writer i guess he's still a television writer but you know whatever and he's made a couple interesting shows at some point he went fucking crazy and got really anti-trans for no reason okay yeah so he went on a british website that's like where moms go like in england this beautiful little narnia there's a website almost exclusively where like moms go and it's like this beautiful little narnia yeah like when like when moms are like oh what are other moms thinking they just go to like www.momuk or some shit and there they are they're connected with their people it's like you get a library card as soon as you as soon as you give birth to a kid you know they oh, give yeah. you like, an in, admin in like a british hospital they like go okay here's a birth certificate and here is your mom card i, I I really think so. And I think the most brilliant thing in the world was that Graham used this. He went on there to, to, to mobilize the moms. But I just think that the fact that there is a mechanism in which all the moms are so easily spoken to is adorable in a weird way. 
can I just, it is, uh, but can I ask you a question logistically? <laughs> yeah. And this is a dark question, but oh, if you say lose a kid or your kid dies or <laughs> kid goes off to college, do you lose the mom card or do you get to keep it like in perpetuity? Or no, whatever? the answer is 100%. You lose that shit and they are strict governors of that rule. <laughs> like, Oh, sorry, love. <laughs> I know your kid just died three years old, real tragedy. We're going to have to get that card back. Oh, no, you're being way too generous, man. They're doing that at the funeral. They're doing it at like during the like they're giving their speech of how they remembered uh, them. My, my condolences. <laughs> yeah, they just take the fucking card right off of her. They don't even ask. Do you ever That's think about England abstractly? All the time. I, <laughs> do you really? I do. Yeah. I watch a lot of like British uh like radio stuff on YouTube. And yeah, I, I, I had this revelation about you yesterday. <laughs> I didn't know this about you. Look, this started because I was watching like Speaker of the House videos and I'm like, oh my God, England's a zoo. Like mm -hmm. England pretends that it's so much more civilized, but in fact, in so many facets oh. of their society, it's in it's way worse than here, I Politically think. Politically, especially, yeah, it's it's like a fucking nightmare. And that, that was one interesting thing and why I would recommend that movie, The Darkest Hour, even though it's not perfect, it does like show you like what British politics were like in the room while like actual real hazardous shit was going on, aka the possible invasion of England. Um, and it's Did, like, were they cool and calm? Were they no, no, they okay. were not carrying on either. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, I was gonna say, like, that's the British thing. It's like, ah, oh, the British way is to you know pipe down and just get on well, with it. Yeah, no, I, it's not so much that they were panicking. It's just that they would like smugly and loudly denounce any opinion that they didn't like until somebody made a really compelling speech. And then they go, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like after an hour of just calling them like a fucking piece of shit. Yeah. Carpet bagger, whatever, not carpet bagger, but you That'd know what great. I mean? <laughs> like Churchill fucking yeah. coined everything, that son of a bitch. He's a real modern Shakespeare. Well, I also watched The Lost City of Z recently, which is also fucking fascinating. Have you seen that? I saw With the, the, who's the kid in that? The uh, Hunnam? Hunnam? Yeah, Charlie Hunnam or yeah. whatever. And he's just, he's he's coming up with the radical proposition that civilizations in South America existed before <laughs> England did. He's like, I found pottery. And they're like, oh, no. We're white. And for this. It was great. It was hilarious. He I was hung. <laughs> Sorry. So that would be an alternate film. <laughs> For just proposing it, they fucking hug him right. up in a square. Bring out the gallows. I don't know. I don't know how they talk, but it's great. Uh, it's a funny movie about a guy who tries to tell people he's right and then dies. That's 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 everyone. That's everyone's life journey. Yeah. Well, he dies doing what he loved, which is you know living desperately in the jungle looking for pots. What do you love? I mean, like I'd I'd be really happy. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, is it because I looked off into the, I did a Vietnam thousand yard stare when I asked that question? Like, yeah. No, I mean that. What do you, what do you like? I was thinking like, all right, if I had to what die in the I middle love? of something. Yeah. Yeah. I was thinking it's like, what would I do? And it'd be like, this would be a pretty good way to go out. Not for you, but like if I was talking to you doing this, we just did our Tom Hanks is an abusive person joke. And then I dropped dead. That's not a bad way to go out like right. uh, anything with the wife, but I'm guessing, you know what I'm saying? So it's like, he died doing what he loved. Does anyone, does everyone love something? There's a difference between loving something and then really enjoying it. You know what I mean? 
Right. And like, what's the, what's the line between obsession and love when it comes to a hobby? You know, we've, we've more clearly delineated that with human beings and people like your interactions with them, but in terms of like a hobby or an interest, like where does it cross the line between being something you love and being something that is recklessly throwing caution to the wind and abandoning any like, you know, means for safety or whatever. Okay. Can I, I want to answer the spirit of that question, but sort of an inverse way. I have a friend of mine who is an actress. Okay. Mm -hmm. And she, uh, like I invited her out to a bar because I was hoping she would read for horse cops as we are rounding uh, the bases on finishing up some script stuff. And uh, she's really cool. And I really like her. She's a very nice person. But then we went out to a bar, which has like a little outdoor seating area that's for smoking, right? So we went out there. No one was smoking out there, but someone was smoking like 10 feet away. And she's Mm -hmm. like, I can't do this. I'm a singer. And like made everyone leave where we were to go inside because she's a singer. Now, in a way, that's very admirable. That is someone being very dedicated to the thing that they want to do, the dreams that they want to accomplish. We would never give shit to a uh, oboist for the symphony, for the LA Philharmonic for not smoking because lungs are everything to her, right? But for some reason, when it's like someone who hasn't quite made it yet, when we see that existing in the world, like I look at that in a weird way. And I'm like, mm-hmm. you're obsessed with this, like in a way that's not allowing you to like, just be present in a moment. You know what I'm saying? But she's technically right. Like she doesn't want to have secondhand smoke. She doesn't do any of this thing. So it's really weird. I'm both like, and I think she's talented, but I don't, I also, if I'm being 100% honest, I don't think that she's like at present constructed. Like it's, it's, it's her lung capacity that's keeping her back. You know what I mean? Like there are a lot of other things that need to happen first. Right. And also is one single smoker 10 feet away going to ruin her singing career? I mean, and I understand that that's like the risk that maybe she didn't want to take, but I don't know. It, it seems a little bit excessive. I guess if you're constantly walking into rooms where people are smoking, maybe you should take another look at like what your ambitions are. But <laughs> one time, yeah, you'd probably be fine. Probably be no, all but, right. You know. But you're making the point. I think the thing that you're saying is really interesting to me. Is like, at what point does does a hobby or a passion turn from passion to obsession? Which obsessions, generally speaking, right. are not good for people. Not to say yeah. people haven't accomplished things by being obsessed by it, but a lot more people have fallen by the wayside of being obsessed with something. Right. Well, like to loop it back to Lost City of Z, just the whole reason I said it is because it's about a guy, I forget his fucking name at this point, and I'm sorry, um, but it's about a guy who like initially goes on an expedition into South America and ends up finding proof that civilizations, advanced ones, existed like thousands of years ago, which is running counter to everything that England ever thought. But in the meantime, to get to these places, he is contending with like cannibal tribes and dysentery and disease and the elements. It's one of the most inhospitable places for a human to be. And in the movie, he keeps going back. It shows like the hell he's going through. And he keeps going back. And every time he comes back, it's years later and his children are grown now and they don't know him. And he's like, sorry, got to go back. It's like first man as well, you know, where it's like, yeah, you're advancing humanity, but can't someone else pick up the torch? Like, why does it have to be you? I don't know. Uh, But again, goodness versus greatness, my favorite goddamn topic on this podcast. And people have talked about it ad nauseum, so we ain't going to do it here. But I, I see that, right? Which is just like, is that selfishness though? 
You know, you know what I'm saying? Like that is obviously an obsession and he's mm -hmm. missing the things that we define as important later in life where the most important things are the interactions we have. But at the same time, these interactions we have are sort of influenced by the state of the world, the facts that we know about it. It gives us context and it's very valuable. And if someone didn't sacrifice, right? Mm -hmm. Like that's the thing. It's like, do, do these things still mean the same thing? I don't know. I think it's interesting. You nailed it earlier. Like we can do this so clearly between interactions with people. There's, there's unhealthy obsessions with people. And we can clock that shit from a mile away. Right. It's much harder to do with ideas and passions and stuff. Yeah. I mean, I, I guess it really just does come down to like, well, if it ain't hurting anybody else and go ahead and be a suicidal maniac who wants to run into the jungle with no pants on, like whatever you want to do. I don't know. Uh, but it is an interesting question, and I, I ask it to myself often. And I wonder if maybe we would be better off if we had more opportunities to be as suicidally obsessed with, you know, running into danger because we're, we're so hermetically sealed in our comfy little homes <laughs> with all our cushions and all our padded floors so we can do gymnastics and not get too hurt. You know, <laughs> we, need <laughs> we need more danger, more high stakes. Yeah, more <laughs> White River rafting, please. I'm into that. I mean, they should make that shit scarier, though, if we can go back to the Olympics. I want to make crocodiles in there. Yeah, crocodiles. You fuck up, it's over. And by the way, they haven't been Sharp fed rocks. in days. They haven't been mm -hmm. fed in days, and they are <laughs> pissed off, and we gave them LSD. They're fucking tripping. I'm, I'm just picturing, like, this is like a fucking, I don't know, like some movie or something where, like, the crocodile handler, you know, who has been starving his crocodiles, it's like Ramsey Bolton's dogs in Game of Thrones, <laughs> <laughs> and they just turn on him as soon as he opens that gate. I'd be amazing. Like, I've been starving them and prodding them with a cattle prod for days. They're ready to eat these gymnasts or whoever's going in here. He opens <laughs> the he, gate They just immediately, immediately <laughs> like, converge on him. That was his life's work. That was his obsession. And he died doing what he loved, which was torturing crocodiles. Fucking it. 